podcast john is my name and ian is my name and we come to you in early july 2021 it's his it's supposed to july bill pullman's outside right now making a really emotional speech about i don't know stuff oh wow i didn't even think about that i mean i said it's 2021 do you think ian that you know the internet lasts forever do you think in a hundred years time people might listen to this as a sort of uh, time capsule of what 2021 was like. Possibly. If they exhaust every other source of entertainment, <laughs> they might. If they, if they haven't stumbled across that time capsule that Prince buried underneath that swimming pool in Monklands, uh, with all the songs <laughs> on it. Because uh, it's, um, I don't know, the internet lasting forever is an odd thing because we always say that. We say the internet lasts forever. But it's actually so far only lasted for about 25 years. Yeah. You know, it won't last forever though. Well, I remember when the compact disc came out, it was going to be, that was basically all technology has, was moot after that. Do you know what I hate? Like I was talking to someone about, I talked to my wife actually about compact discs. You'll remember it too. I remember when the CD came out and your dad probably did. My dad bought a CD player which we weren't allowed to touch. And he went on and on and on about CD. This was it. This was the future. And he would say, like, it sounds like they're in the room. The sound is just so much better than anything we've had before, right? Cassette, vinyl. It's the best sound. It's just it's the be- It's just so sharp, pristine, perfect. And yet now, that's vinyl has become that thing. <laughs> Hasn't it? Like, people will say, like, I see folk like bands that I like talking about their album coming out on Spotify and the CDs on Amazon. And folk are like, when are you going to release vinyl? It needs to be on vinyl. But I always remember vinyl being a bit crackly and a bit... I mean, is, is that what they want? Is that the authentic sound where it's a bit crackly and vinyly? And I think that's... The, you've hit the key word on the head there, that sense of authenticity, that sense of... Uh, I think what we've done is... And it's only a certain kind of band that ever say that. For example, I don't think Daft Punk ever said, oh, wait till the vinyl comes out of our, of our new album or, or whoever. It's the type of, of band. Because um, even somebody like, I imagine, a, a man that both of us um, both find um, in high esteem of Phil Collins. I doubt Phil Collins ever says, oh, you need to get it on vinyl. Because Phil Collins isn't that type of artist either. It's a particular type of artist who sees themselves as an authentic, in inverted commas, musician. I can understand the appeal for artists because the vinyl usually costs about 30 quid. (laughs) I can understand somebody like Phil Collins maybe going, oh, you need to get the vinyl. Because anyone I like, a lot of bands that I like, and I'm a big fan of EMF still from like our childhood emf was a, honestly i still i love i got an emf t-shirt in last week and it's the same t-shirt i had when i was a kid it's like the schubert dip wow. thing it's the exact same i have a photograph of me in the t-shirt when i was about 15 and i've got the exact same t-shirt it's the same design i sent it to them on facebook which they were overjoyed to see this picture of me as a boy and i'm an, an adult wearing the same t-shirt wow. um, but they've just re-released schubert dip on colored vinyl 
And that's just what bands are doing because, you know, Dilamitri had an album out a few weeks ago. Great album. I listened to it on Spotify because that's what I do. But you can, you get all these people going, when's the vinyl going to be available? And then they release like this special light blue coloured plastic vinyl thing. And I don't even know if it's about the sound. If It's just about the... I understand that it looks, it probably does look cool on a shelf. It's like yeah. books. Books look better than Kindle books, obviously. Um, yeah. But hardback books do look better than paperback books. So in a way, vinyl and, does look better than CD and cassettes because it's just because it's bigger. And it's a revenue stream like EMF. God bless them. EMF will not get much of a revenue stream from new music. You say that, but Ian Dench, the guitarist from EMF, um, co-wrote several of Beyonce's songs about oh, five or six years wow. ago. So he as, as, he does make a fair chunk of money. As EMF, I mean, as a, as yeah. a, as a band. Um, but it's another revenue stream. Like, for example, um, we were talking before we came on air, if you like, about... Um, this hospital radio. What's that? Are we on hospital radio now? Yeah, we are. <laughs> um, and um, we were talking about Readly, which is a web, which was an app um, listener where you can um, have access to lots of different magazines and publications all in one place, and you play one um, subscription fee. And when I had a subscription to, to Readly, I would get, um, I would often read Mojo or Wired or, or these kind of music magazines for people of a certain age. And um, they always had articles by, and then it seemed to be alternate months between Pink Floyd and The Who. Pink Floyd and The Who, Pink Floyd and The Who, Pink Floyd and The Who. Because basically one of the two would be releasing some ultra lavish mm. box set CD, 80 pound, 150 pound um, deluxe box set of some classic vintage album. Because it's a revenue stream. And in a band like EMF, I don't know if they still tour. I imagine they probably do from time to time. And they might kind of make, you know, it's kind of like when certain ages of actors do pantomime at Christmas. It's where they make their money um, through touring. They'll do two or three tours a year, maybe. Um, EMF haven't been able to do that for 16 months. True. So if they could sell 15,000 coloured um, LPs of Schubert Dip, then that's their revenue stream for a year that will tide them over, you know, one more year closer to their pension. Well, fun, I mean, the EMF thing, T-shirts is the big thing this year um, mm. because they've re-released, I've got an unbelievable T-shirt and a Schubert Dip T-shirt now. It's the same T-shirts that I had as a wee boy and they put a thing up on Facebook the other day to say that the T-shirt sales, they've now they've got some other T-shirt designs from the past that they've just put out as well. And they were saying that they've actually sold so many that they're actually able to use the profits they've made from that to put towards producing a new album. So, like, <laughs> their T-shirt sales have actually driven them towards making a new album, which makes me... And it makes me feel quite excited to think, well, I've bought a couple of T-shirts, so I'm, you know, I've helped. They've you have. And I, think, and I think one of the things is back in back in the day, maybe, maybe it's always been thus, and because I stepped out because I reached a certain age and I wasn't kind of in that world anymore. Um, but certainly between sort of 1990 and 95, maybe a bit before, maybe 88 to 95 might be a better example is T-shirts became for contemporary bands, not vintage T-shirts, 
but but t-shirts for contemporary bands uh, like Ned's Atomic Dustbin for example I don't think ever had a single in the top 20 certainly not in the top 10 yet in 1991 92 93 their t-shirts were ubiquitous same with Red Hot Chili Peppers to be honest in Britain I think Under the Bridge in the sort of mid early to mid 90s was their only hit and yet still lower 20s I think it got to yet that Sex other sex. What was the what was the album? Another one. Se- I don't know. Yeah, I'm a big Kelly Peppers fan, but yeah, I don't know. I don't no, know. but there was one T-shirt that you, which basically was the album cover, which you could not get away from from our generation oh, of teenagers. It's probably dustbin. It was Kill Your Television. It was a Kill Your Television oh, yeah. shirt that used to. I had it. I had shorts. I had I had Ned's Atomic Dustbin shorts that I used to wear as well. But it, that entire, I mean, I know these guys weren't part of that, the Atomic Dustbins or EMF, but the entire grunge mm. movement, if you like, was heavily T-shirt based. And that's how you show your allegiance. You show your allegiance like that. It was, Britpop came along. And I don't think Britpop, you did see a few Blur T-shirts here and there, but... I had a few Blur T-shirts. I didn't have any Oasis T-shirts, but I had a couple no. of Blur T-shirts. I, I, think- I almost got my head kicked in on a night out. And it was the night before they announced whether Country House or Roll With It was going to be number one. And I went to Flanagan's Bar and Largs wearing my Blur t-shirt and some Neds that I knew kind of accosted me and started calling me like like some derisory names for a gay person because I was wearing a Blur t-shirt. But I remember I asked them, I said, because it's people I knew, thankfully, and I said, how many of you have bought the Oasis single? And none of them had. I had bought Roll With It and Country House and CD single. I said, I've got them both at home, so shut up. But wearing a Blur t-shirt in such incendiary times, Ian, that was a political statement. It was. If I had been an England player wearing that shirt, I would have got booed probably by the supporters. Do you know what? I think that tells you the different mood times we lived in, whereby that was what we got angry about in the mid-90s. <laughs> Whether a Blur or Oasis would be like, who was, if you were a Blur man or a, an Oasis man? Um, and I think that, but, but interestingly, I think what really annoyed me, and again, I'm going to come across like a grumpy old man for a minute here, is that that t-shirt movement, which we kind of grew up with and were part of, I didn't wholly buy into it because I wasn't cool enough to like those the types of bands you did. Um, I, I had a Pearl Jam t-shirt. Um, mm. and uh, I had, did you actually like Pearl Jam though? Was that? Did you actually like Pearl Jam though? I did, I like the first album. Um, I've and I had never, ever owned, I've never listened to a Pearl Jam album all the way through. Ten's good. And um, I also had, and this really shows my lack of, of cool, is that when everyone was walking around in all these kind of t-shirts, I had a U2 t-shirt. <laughs> what was it, Rattle and Hum? No, it was Zuropa. So at least it was slightly avant-garde in terms of their albums. Um, what but... think, what's the best U2 album? The best U2 album, oh, good question. Um, I think the best U2 album from start to finish um, is All That You Can't Leave Behind, which was the 2000, 2000 album with Have nice. Beautiful Day on it. Okay. That's the best one. Or Rattle and Hum. They're the two best ones. Acton, baby. Well, it's an excellent album, but... Um, rat, rattle and hum I think I didn't get see, interestingly talking about CD players that your dad I imagine your dad got one in what about 1986 or something like that when they first came out it was yeah it was 86, 87 yeah uh, we, I think we got one in about 89, 90 but again it was the family one 
well, I say family one, my dad's one. Um, I didn't get a CD player from my room until 93. And um, Rattle and Hum was, I think, the second CD I ever got. See, I the, my first CD player was a Discman. Oh, wow. Because I had my... 3D Superwoofer cassette player Ghetto Blaster in my bedroom. But when you bought a Discman, it came with a cable that you could connect into the back oh. and turn it into a little CD player. So Slightly better quality there, because Discman's, I got a Discman in what, 2000, and, in 2000 or something like that, or 99. And whenever you went for a walk, it just continually skipped. Yeah. Rubbish. But it's weird to think that when I went to university back in, when did I go to university? But 93, 94, I used to take a CD player in my bag with me. <laughs> but then you had to carry, like, a bunch of CDs in your bag as well. But did you get a wallet? Did you get one of those wallets? wallets? Like a kind of car wallet full of CDs. And that yeah. was the thing. We've talked about this in here before. Like, so you wouldn't... It's not like with Spotify. I would put, like, Teenage Fan Clubs 13 into my CD player. And I would listen to the whole thing because I didn't have to take it back out and then put something else on, you know? Okay. I mean, I mean, and, and we're not going to get into this too much, listener, because we have talked about this before many times. But things about, I mean, I presume I made up a lot of mixtapes for cars. I've never been until I got until I got an iPhone. I never wore headphones. I hated wearing headphones. I hated going for a walk with headphones. I never had a Walkman with headphones. Um, but yeah, so mixtapes were only for the car, and then eventually you get, got a good enough laptop. Where you could make a mix CD, um, but that was that that was two thousands before that happened yeah. for me anyway. Um, but yeah, so it was albums from start to finish all the way, mm. apart from when you had four hours in which to make up a mixtape. I'm assuming you don't make mixtapes now; it's just playlists. You just send someone a link to a playlist and go, "There's your playlist." And I don't think people do. No, I just don't think people do because it's not because the other thing is, say I made up a playlist for somebody. If I sent it to them, they'd have to have Spotify too. Yeah, that's true. Otherwise, the whole point, but the whole point of the playlist as well was to like very often it was to show off your taste in music. It was like, here are some songs you maybe don't know by artists that you like. Whereas with Spotify, you'll find the songs, you know, if you like an artist, you'll listen to some of their songs. You're not there's not gonna be like deeper. I mean, I, I like it on um is it Spotify that does that, where you get a playlist for each band and there's the Deep Cuts playlist? Or is that Apple Music that does that? That was Apple Music, but I think Spotify does something similar anyway. Yeah. But, yeah, like, there is no point. I mean, I suppose no. you could do it with playlists, but, I mean, for me, and I'm sure you were the same, being a really rubbish, needy boy, anytime I split up with someone, I would make up a playlist full of songs that had not even subtle hidden meanings, were just blatant. You know, like, I want you back by Take That would be, or Back for Good, sorry, not I want you back, that's the Jacksons. But, um, you know, Back for Good would pretty much almost be on a playlist back when I was, like, 19, 20. If I got dumped, I would make a playlist with Back for Good on it and any other song that had lyrics that were, like... So I suppose you could still do that with playlists, but it just doesn't feel the same. No, there's no... I think you're being very generous, by the way, to men, because it's only men who make mixtape who or who made mixtapes for 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 girlfriends it was very rare that it was the other way around um, and, and i like the idea that you said there that it's 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 you you would show off your taste in music by making up mixtapes that had songs by artists that you knew but you might not know the songs i think there was a much more of a here's music that you should like by artists that you've probably <laughs> never heard of but 
trust me, you probably skipped over them when they've been on Radio 1, but actually these are the artists that you should like. <laughs> this is why we split up. Exactly. I want to listen to Boyzone without you tutting every two seconds. Exactly. I, I think just because the water boys have some Irish heritage does not make them the same as Boyzone. <laughs> I think one of the reasons that, that men and boys do make mixtapes as well is because I think girls are more interested in more important things like life. Like boys tend to fixate on music and films and you know comics and whatever. I mean, I still do. Like you and I frequently will sit and talk about Star Wars or films and things like that, and it's almost a way of avoiding talking about life. And oh, I yeah. think, and this is this is not being sexist at all. This is I just think girls tend to be more interested in relationships and just things in their actual life. Yes. Whereas boys tend to be interested in fictional universes like the Marvel Universe and Star Wars and things like that. And it's. Uh, I, th I think once upon a time we could have. Like, I think we could probably go on some kind of sociological sort of flight of fancy here and say, well, you know, when men were, were working in the industrial factories or down the mines, they'd need some form of escapism that they could throw themselves in to make it, you know, to somehow shield them from the, the harshness of their everyday lives. So they invested it in football or in the cinema or in popular music. And we don't really have those excuses. No, we just don't. We're just arrested development, really. We just arrested because I, the thing is, I'm saying that I don't even think all men in their forties are as in because you and I talk about football and films and music. I mean, we talk about life stuff too. You know, we talk about politics and that that is to do with real life. My dog's going mental because he's agreeing with me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it isn't. I think there is an element of arrested development in that. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know, is it comfort as well? Is it comforting to talk about the things that comforted you as a child, like as a, as a teenager, like films and music? Yeah, I think there is that. And I think, I think there is a huge sense of comfort in it. I think there's, we talked about, I remember us talking about this 20 years ago, this, this kind of topic. And lament, not lamenting the fact that we'd never fought in a war, but the fact is we're, we're still trying to, we're not that far removed. It's our grandparents' generation yeah. that had to fight, or not, even if didn't fight, had to endure a war. You know, even if like my grandfather was blind in one eye, there was no way he would have ever been allowed to be a soldier being blind in one eye. He was shot all his own um, fellow soldiers. Um, but he had to endure the Second World War. He had to endure rationing. He had to endure bombs going off all around him in the city of Manchester. Um, we, I mean, you know, we haven't endured a pandemic. We I mean, six months of sitting inside watching Disney Plus and Netflix. Watching not, even more of the comfort stuff that we would have done anyway. Catching up on the comfort stuff. Yeah, exactly. Me, me making the stupid decision that I'm going to read every single Stephen King book in a year. That's not something our grandparents did. You're like, oh, well, there's a war going on. Better read every single Agatha Christie novel there is. Exactly. You know, I mean, it would have been a pandemic where I mean a lot of people have had to endure it but we are very fortunate we are members of the in inverted commas professional classes whereby we're white collar people essentially who don't have to um we've not been on furlough we haven't endured in that sense um if the internet had gone down if there'd been a cyber attack 
in, in April of 2020 that put down the internet for six months. Then maybe, but even then, we yeah. grew up without the internet. Exactly. We could get by without it. Yeah. It's, uh, I think we, we, I think our generation of, 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 of males, because the, the, the sort of, I think one of the things is the generations that came before us, you know, train spotting and stamp collecting and like there was loads of different weird pastimes that men did that have kind of died out. And they've been replaced by the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Star Wars, um, and sort of legacy popular music. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I think I think we can be down on ourselves because we're like, oh, it's stuff we liked as a child. But train spotting and stamp collecting and all those things, they began in childhood. Of course. Absolutely. It just kept going into adulthood. Our know. child equivalent of that would have been like football sticker collecting. Exactly. Exactly. That's still, that's still, because you still see like the Panini albums in the shop. Somebody must be buying them. Oh yeah, I think, I think, I mean, I don't know. You're the one with children. Has, has it ever reached your shows? Mine aren't, my, none of my kids are interested in football, which I find abhorrent. But <laughs> they've done it with like Star Wars cards and things like that, though, in the past. So they, there is a kind of collecting bug that that boys especially do get. And I think there is a there is a thing about that, and I'm sure that's again, if we were more learned. Um, anthropologically we would discover that there is some reason why boys and men like to collect things. You wonder is that maybe now with everything being books you know being on the Kindle and your music collection is on Spotify and your film collection is basically Netflix or things you've bought on Apple maybe the collecting thing's not going to be maybe the, maybe the sort of the gene that makes you want to collect things is not going to be as strong because I did I remember like about two or three years ago, there was a Star Wars tops card trading app that I got very addicted to. Like I spent money on it. I got really addicted to collecting digital cards. Never got a real card. It was all stuff, a card you could look at on your phone. And it wasn't just me, as you can imagine. There was a lot of, it was mostly guys, very, very addicted to collecting these limited edition cards. They would, I mean, they were limited edition picture. I mean, you could literally just, you could even, you could actually see all the cards that were available, just screenshot them, but you didn't own the card. It was just stupid. But that was clearly aimed at people our age who've got that collecting gene. The same people who are collecting vinyl now, who've collected Blu-rays and computer games. And I mean, that's the thing. I wonder if VHS is going to come back. And the way the vinyls come <laughs> back, will like, come back. That's but will be like that film's too sharp. It needs to be the, because I see people complaining about like things like Star Wars saying, oh, it's been digitally remastered now and it's just not the same. I want it all grainy and crap. Why would you want that? Why would you want it to, to look... It's like vinyl. Like, why would you want it to sound crackly when you can listen to it in a pristine way? I mean, that's the thing. Spotify and Apple Music, if you've got a decent pair of headphones, it sounds fine. Oh, it sounds absolutely fine. Like, no, oh, it sounds compressed. It doesn't sound like it's meant to sound. It's like, well, maybe, but you, you're not going to notice the difference, really. And if they really wanted to, they could put the acoustic graveliness on it. Of course they, they can. can. They could the, do, the, like, vi you know, like they could have a vinyl remaster version, which is just crackly. There you go. There's the, there's the vinyl version on Apple Music. Exactly. Charles is uh, $9.99 a month to have the Apple Music vinyl collection. 
it's yeah there's a there's a sort of ridiculousness on to what we're what we're discussing really is that um but i think that it is something that that is one of the differences between males and females i don't know if that's the right terminology anymore uh, i'm not gonna lie uh, but yeah there is there is that collecting thing of you know i've never you know, there's a boast, it's gone now, obviously, because like you say, it might be the collecting thing disappearing is the, the boast of, and not even a major boast, not like a sort of arrogant boast, but just kind of like, yeah, I've probably got around about, I don't know, 15, 3,000 CDs, maybe, maybe I've got that, about that, maybe I've got about 3,000 albums, I'm not sure. Uh, or even with, with books as well, that kind of, oh, I'm going to read 50 books this year, or I've read 50 books this year. That sort of collecting element of it, whereas you, you will get, females who may have read 70 books they haven't kept count no <laughs> they they're just they, enjoying they, the book they're enjoying the moment of yeah. reading the book and then moving on to the next book they like might have kept a list yeah they may have kept a list but purely for reference purposes of being able to say when it comes to birthdays and christmases go back and kind of say oh i really enjoyed that book that i read rather than like i do every christmas kind of going oh i read a load of good books this year what book did i read what books I read? But also having that little bit of vanity of going, oh, I read 60 books this year, <laughs> you know, as if the number matters. I know. But Pokemon suggests, we're not going to go there, we're going to finish off in a second, listener, but Pokemon is a collecting thing, essentially, isn't it? Hmm. Got and that's the whole story. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. So there you go. Little. Uh, yeah, we, we didn't mention the news because that just depresses us. Um, but I've, I've enjoyed this half hour. Yeah, it's been good. Yeah. yeah. We went somewhere I didn't expect. Well, you did say before we started recording, let's just do freeform jazz today. Yeah. Because we, behind the curtain, we had already done like a half hour chat that could have been a podcast where we talked about the football and the news. Yes. It probably had swearing in it and was probably offensive, so it's probably best we didn't record that part. Exactly, and I think also this is, I mean, if we do have an audience for this, it will be probably men of roughly our vintage who will probably have nodded their heads through most of this. Absolutely. You know, and nothing says the internet like nodding along to people saying things that you already agree with. <laughs> well, that is kind of what podcasting is, isn't it? I mean, I definitely have picked up, I drop podcasts that are not an echo chamber to me. Like I've tried, I know you say sometimes you listen to the Times. I try and listen to other like political podcasts. So I can't I can't do it. No. Even even the football ones. Like I've been trying to listen to the Totally Football and the Euro, Daily Euros. But since the last week, I was fine in the first round when it was all the teams. But now it's almost all about England and I can't I can't listen to it anymore. I've stopped listening to them as well for the very same reason. Yeah. Because I was I was loving the Totally Football show. I was listening to that every day. And the Daily Euros was pretty good because they were focusing on different matches. But now it's just about England. All the talk about. Oh, dear. Right. Well, by the time we speak to you next week, listener, uh, or certainly by the time you hear next week's podcast, we will know whether England have won the European Championships, which is a very, very depressing thought. But... Try and hold out some hope. There's apparently a young British teenage teenager in the Wimbledon singles doing very well. She's not British. I heard that yesterday after the stuff about England. The, the, oh. the BBC, the full story was, and even better news for England, English tennis superstar, whatever her name is. So she's English, that one. Oh, she's English, right, okay. The night before, Scotland's Andy Murray got knocked out 
<laughs> I mean, the first two games he won, he was Britain's Andy Murray. Now he's Scotland's yeah. Andy Murray because he's, he's not as good as he used to be. Well, the Isle of Man's Mark Cavendish is doing very well in Zorda France, apparently. That's so let's good. go with that one. Let's go with that. So anyway, have a good week, listener. Take care of yourselves, and we'll be with you in deeper July next week. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.